all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us Insta, X, Threads, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. I'm not sure what X is, but do all of those things. Have you not heard the news? I have not. Because you're not on Twitter. Apparently, Twitter's not Twitter anymore. It changed its name to X? Yep. As in? The letter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. It's run by a madman. (laughs) I guess I was reading about it. I didn't know. Um, He founded X.com. Which merged to, with another company to become PayPal back in the day. Yeah, and, meaning m- meaning the X.com was a website that literally did nothing, but it was back in the day where investors just backed up Brinks trucks worth of fucking cash to startup companies, and they're just like, oh, here's a company that will rescue me, PayPal. Right. It's like the, was the dot-com boom. Yeah. That whole thing, the boom and bust. Yeah, because PayPal's been around for quite a while. Now. It has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So apparently, uh, we're recording this, let's see, the day of the 23rd and, of July, and apparently Elon Musk announced it at midnight, and the Twitter icon will be replaced by an X icon. As in, like, X as in, like, this used to be, like, somewhat <laughs> of a... Yeah, fuck Twitter. Like, <laughs> like as, as, all of, uh, as all of our dear listeners know, I get... Suspended on Twitter again, and I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, since <laughs> since you're hemorrhaging followers anyway, and since I can't stand Elon Musk anyway, and literally the site, since he took it over, has just been... Like, I'll get occasional tweets from people I follow, which is, like, supposed to be the whole point of Twitter, mm-hmm. but since he took it over, all I was getting was literally, like, fucking right-wing trolls all the time. Yeah. So, I'm I'm happy to be off of it. A lot less douchebags that I need to know what is in their brain, so... Whatever. Have you been using threads much? Here and there, not much. Yeah. I mean, we should probably all be done with social media anyway. <laughs> well, let's not say that to our listeners. Yeah. You <laughs> guys stay, stay on it. Stay with them. Yeah, and stay with us. But uh, any anywhere else you want to go to, don't do it. It's almost like we need our own social media platform. No. No, that's true. It would just mm-hmm. become what every other social media platform is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a, a response on our Teemoonator. Okay. Listener Truman K. Rendered us a Teemoonator. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> they said it was okay for me to share it on social media, so I'll do that, too. Now, is it born with the... With the AK-47 on its back, or did somebody have to put that on there? Well, what did we say in the, um, I don't know if we I don't specified in I don't, the actual plot or not. Yeah, it's got a Lewis gun. I've never heard of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what like that is. Like a Tommy gun, I guess. I don't know. I don't know guns very well. Metal body and head and gold beak. 
That's pretty interesting. Externally, it looks like a normal emu. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we'll have to share that. Yes. Um, and we watched, I saw Terminator 2 for the last time last night. You mean for the first time? Did I say for the last time? <laughs> yes, you did. Probably will I be for the last time. Last time la- I was saying first time last night, but I said last because of last night. But yes, there's a good chance I will never watch that movie again, I would say. I didn't think it was bad. No, I thought it still held up. I thought it was fine. After, uh, what, 32 years? It's, it's, yeah. it's an old movie at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's on a AMC classic yeah, type I'll, of film. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> And we saw Oppenheimer today. Yeah, which I, I don't know if I can recommend that to anybody. Like, I don't know. The it story was... is interesting, and the acting was really good, and the sound design was very good. Yeah, but the... It's very choppy. It's, it's, it's a very Christopher Nolan film, meaning yes. it's going to be confusing, and you don't know exactly what's going on. So... There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> It's a good thing this is a historical movie because we can reference, oh, okay, what did happen on this? Oh, okay, I can just read about it. And actually learn the, the <laughs> yeah. reality of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was confusing. And also, I've never seen a movie use so much scoring. The only thing that does is reality shows. But there is always... Yes, incidental music and stuff yes, behind, yeah. always. Um, and casinos. That's it. Yes, that's true. That's the only place you'll hear more of a score. And apparently a Christopher Nolan film. This one in particular, yeah. It did get annoying after a while. It's like... Uh, yeah, that... It, I actually found, found listen, it very distracting. Listen to people talk. <laughs> you know, so I can learn things about, like, this very important period of time. Right. But whatever. It's... Yeah. yeah it, it was okay. I'll put it that way. Yeah. A lot of... And you can tell it's, like, film nerds and stuff reviewing this, like... Like, an amazing achievement. I'm like, compared to what? <laughs> like, like, compared to a student film? Yes. Yeah, right. Very much so. You know, but, yeah. yeah, it's, of his films, I mean, he's he's made better films than this, period. Yeah. Um, And it was just, I don't know, it's just, it's just like, Chris, can you make just a fucking straightforward movie, Christopher Nolan? <laughs> can you do that, please? Can I you not be, can you not be so not. fucking weird all the time? <laughs> I guess that's his... His uh, signature. I guess so. <laughs> that weird. is definitely his signature. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are we ready for a story of the deadliest structural failure in recorded history? Sure. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is the story of the Fidene Amphitheater Collapse. Okay. So in the year 27. Okay. See, We're going back. Right. An estimated, estimated... 20,000 people, possibly more, were killed and tens of thousands more were injured when an estimated 50-ish thousand people were present in an amphitheater at Fidene, just north of Rome, in what remains the deadliest structural failure in recorded history. Wow. Primary sources are Biography.com, The Coliseum, Failure at Fidene, Visualization and Analysis of the Largest Structural Disaster in the Roman World by Rebecca Napolitano. History.com, National Geographic, Realm of History, ThoughtCo, and Wikipedia. Hmm. So first off, shout out to our OG listener and friend, Sarah Q. Oh, wow. Okay. For suggesting this topic. Um, And Aces California also mentioned it in their Circus Maximus script. Do you remember that? That was a while ago, but we did the Circus Maximus fire, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's... 
talk ancient Rome, shall we? We shall. Uh, I, like, I am instantly put 27 AD into, or, or CE rather, into the context of, oh, it's not far from when Jesus was crucified. Because he was the C of BC and AD, right? He mm-hmm. was the the idea of who split time or whatever, <laughs> as they like to say dramatically. Um, even though uh, Jesus, who is not generally, um, it is not contested that he was a historical figure, right? Like a person who actually lived. Um, he is, he's thought to have lived somewhere like between six BCE to 33-ish CE. It's not exactly known, but in that realm. Whatever. Um, yeah. And this happened around that time. Uh, but yeah, I just found, found it interesting that this took place during the life of Jesus and he may have even heard of it because I would imagine word would eventually travel that tens of thousands of people died. In a building collapse. But who knows, I, I guess. I, I don't know how it would have traveled. Um, I, well, news traveled. It didn't yeah. travel fast. Yeah. Carrier pigeon. But, or, yeah, right. Um, uh, letters. There's lots of letter writing back in sure. that time. Yep. Um, I wrote, to try to summarize, the literal rise of the Roman Empire is pretty much a fool's errand, so who better to do it than me? Uh, so... I, I was kind of disappointed to find... So, like, the rough timeline of the founding of Rome is pretty well understood to be somewhere around the 8th century BCE-ish. However, like, how it was founded, how Rome was founded, is, like, legend, essentially. It's not 100% known. There's a whole weird myth about twins named Romulus and Remus and stuff something something whatever whatever i don't know i'm I'm automatically discounting that one yeah if it involves twins well (laughs) (laughs) it was it's a myth like i said but i don't know i guess i just don't understand the origins of ancient cities as someone from the states so i'm just gonna skip over that because that all kind of bores me and get to the empire part because that's where we're this is all taking place so The actual Roman Empire, which rose out of the already powerful Roman Republic, was prefaced by the rise of one Julius Caesar, he of the famous salad, the salad guy, who became the dictator of Rome, as I wrote it, but Rome, obviously, in 49 BCE. Uh, Fun fact, he's the reason we operate on a 365-day calendar. I actually did know that, yeah. Yeah, The Roman calendar. uh Uh-huh, and Mm -hmm. why we have a leap year. Yeah. Julius Caesar's reign, again, famously, did not last particularly long, just a few years, and ended when he was stabbed to death Mm -hmm. by dozens of people, not just Brutus, dozens of people, on March 15th, 44 BCE, just a few years into his dictatorship. And that's the origin stories of the Beware the Ides of March. The Ides of March is March 15th. Oh, okay. And I was like, beware because everybody you might, get, you might get stabbed to death. There you go. <laughs> uh, the death of Julius Caesar led to kind of like a power grab or a power vacuum in Roman leadership. And one group doing the grabbing were the people who killed Caesar, <laughs> the assassins they're known as. The others were known, or one other group was known as the Second Triumvirate. 
and was comprised of Julius Caesar's nephew, Gaius Octavius, or Octavian, Marcus Lepidus. I think it's Gaius, isn't it? It might be. Oh, okay. I, I'm just going to refer to him as Octavian. Oh, okay. Uh, Marcus Lepidus and Mark Antony, not to be confused with J-Lo's ex-husband, Mark Anthony, who lived approximately 2,000 years later. Were they married? J-Lo and Mark Anthony? Yeah. yeah you don't no, remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, they had kids together. No. They had twins, twins, I think. Oops, here we go with the twins again. <laughs> the twin connection. So these three guys kind of split up Rome's territory amongst themselves leadership-wise, and they were never really too strong of an alliance. Eventually, they turned on each other, and notoriously, Octavian really did a number on Mark Anthony. Antony. <laughs> I'm going to say, don't get him mixed up with Mark Anthony and then do the same thing. Mark Antony. So Antony had kind of a double life going on. So one was in Rome, where he was married and kind of buttoned up, and one was in Alexandria, Egypt, where he was having a relationship with, famously... Mark Antony and... I have no idea. Cleopatra. Oh, okay. Queen of Eng England. I was going to say. <laughs> Egypt. Heard oh, of, my goodness. Heard of her. Yes. <laughs> and also, Julius Caesar's son's mother from a few years back. Sure, why not? So she had a kid with Julius Caesar. Yeah. Anyway, it, it was all very messed up, as royalty still is. In 40 BCE, so this is just four years after Julius Caesar's death, I get so confused with BC dates because they get smaller as you get farther along in time. It's very confusing to me. Anyway, um, Antony's wife and brother tried to challenge Octavian's authority, and Antony had to go out of his way to convince Octavian he had nothing to do with the conspiracy, although whether he actually had anything to do with it is open to interpretation. When Antony's wife died, he married Octavian's sis Octavian's sister, confusingly named Octavia. <laughs> uh, he eventually went back to Cleopatra and divorced Octavia. That did not please Octavian. And Mark, Mark Antony and Octavian went full tilt war. Cleopatra famously faked her own suicide. Mark Antony actually killed himself upon hearing about her alleged suicide, and that resulted in her killing herself, like, for real. So, like, a real Romeo and Juliet, almost. Yes, except Antony and Cleopatra, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's why, I mean, Shakespeare wrote about both, right? Yeah, Romeo true. and Juliet and Antony and Cleopatra. Um, it It's all very, you know, B.C., <laughs> ancient Rome-type stuff. Um, at any rate, it resulted in Octavian becoming the actual first proper Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, in 27 BCE. And he's where we get the month of August from. Oh, okay. Caesar Augustus, yeah. He reigned until his death in 14 CE, at which point his stepson Tiberius became the emperor, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, who was the emperor at the time of this disaster. And we'll get back to Tiberius. So now that we've got a little context about ancient Rome, let's get into the other part about this story, which is gladiators. Um, I don't know much about gladiators off the top of my head. I had to do plenty of research because I don't even remember the movie. I think we tried to you watch it and I fell asleep. We didn't watch the whole movie, no. Did I fall asleep or did I just like peace out of it? 
Probably both. <laughs> um, uh, so I guess uh, my answer is no, I was not entertained. No. <laughs> uh, the first Roman gladiator games likely took place in 264 BCE at the Forum Borarium. Borium. Borium, probably. Uh, a cattle market. A member of the prominent Junius family thought that a great way to honor his recently deceased father was to have six people fight each other in pairs to the death. Sure. You know? Why not? Celebration of life, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Pro, the pro-life crowd will probably pick up on that in no time. <laughs> exactly. Let's have fights to the death. Because we're pro-life. Exactly. Um, I guess the idea... So apparently the idea for doing this was to have, like, attendants or servants in the afterlife or something. Like, have these servants fight themselves to the death. I don't know. Um, Religion is a hell of a drug. Mm -hmm. Of any ilk. Any belief system. So... Eventually, this idea kind of all snowballed into a specific form of entertainment wherein the participants, called gladiators, fought each other or convicted criminals or very occasionally wild animals, um, often but not always, to the death. Uh, So by and large, especially in the early days of gladiators, they were either incarcerated people or enslaved people, so in general their participation was not voluntary. This did change a bit later er, Later in the sport. Some people started participating voluntarily because if you won, you could actually win quite a bit of money or property. While most people who participated voluntarily were still pretty desperate, because you kind of would have to be, yeah. to want to put your body through potential severe injury or death, a few higher-ups did participate for the thrill of kind of like slumming it with the plebes and for the glory of winning. So, uh, gladiators were generally considered on the bottom rung socially, and because most were enslaved, they were at the mercy of the people who claimed to be their owners, and they were generally trained for combat, though those who participated as convicted criminals did not receive training, and therefore were at quite a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, gladiators entered into contracts about how often they would fight and what class of gladiator they would be. There was a bunch of different classes of gladiators based on what kind of weapons and styles of fighting they used. And of course, contract implies that they entered into like a, an agreement freely. That's certainly not the case for enslavement. But um, they did sometimes gain a certain amount of celebrity within lower classes. So... Uh, it's estimated that somewhere between 10 to 20% of matches ended with one of the combatants dying. Mm. That's not... surprised that's all it was. I know, right? It, it, it does seem surprisingly low, but that's still a high risk, yeah. obviously. Um, but otherwise, to win, you basically just had to best or subdue your opponent. So there's... I think there's a lot of similarities with, like, boxing or mixed martial arts, right? In that... In that in the subdued Much, part. Yes. Not, not in the killing part. Exactly. That happens sometimes in those sports too. It sure can. Yep. Um, but yeah, the risk of dying in the ring or the octagon are well under 10 to 20%. It is apparently true that sometimes the crowd and or the emperor who had the actual final word in the matter in like the state gladiator games 
would give some version of like thumbs up, thumbs down to indicate whether the fan favorite should kill off their opponent or not. Um, the final call was made by the referee, who <laughs> I found this interesting, was called an editor. Hmm. So I guess that maybe that's where they get the term editor from. We'll probably get a lot of things from ancient Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Popular gladiators were generally spared, though apparently, notoriously, both Caligula and Claudius, both emperors, were pretty ruthless on that front. Uh, there were all sorts of classes of gladiators who fought with various types of weapons, and they were generally matched up based on size, which also reminds me of boxing, right? Mm-hmm. Like flyweight. And UFC. It's yeah. the same. It was mm-hmm. a weight class. Mm-hmm. So when you have spectacles like Gladiator Game, Gladiator, <laughs> it is a Sunday night, isn't it? Gladiator Games going on, you need venues for them. And in ancient Rome, that meant amphitheaters or large, round or like oval or elliptical shaped open air venues. <laughs> oh, excuse me, with like a stage or a central performing area. Uh, they were used for the gladiators as well as public executions. Nice. <laughs> all, all the entertainment. Yeah. The largest... That, that's what I call a dual-use stadium. <laughs> you, can, you can see somebody getting uh, killed in the spirit of battle and just somebody executed in the same day. That, <laughs> I mean, that'd be exciting back then. It's like when... Um, I don't know if there are any today, but back in the day when stadiums were shared by um, the local football and... A baseball team mm-hmm. like Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami was like this and they would play football and you could see the baselines oh yeah <laughs> yeah there were quite a few stadiums like that they are all gone now yeah I was gonna say there, there aren't a, any there's there. not a single uh baseball and football team that share a stadium anymore yeah which That's is like how it should be that I mean the dimensions for either never made sense like to just do both on the same field it just it never made sense yeah um, so can you imagine like this sort of dual use, like well, that I can. or something? Yeah, that, I guess. That, that one I can. That, 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 like the whole Ugh. the whole thing is built for death. So yeah, I guess that's that's kind of <laughs> true. Yeah, um, the largest and most famous of these amphitheaters is, of course, oh the the Colosseum. You got the it. Colosseum, I would think. Yep. Now that wasn't built until after this disaster. It was completed in eighty A.D. It had a capacity of around 65,000 people. Um, though from what I understand, people I've talked to who have visited Rome say it's always smaller than you would think. Yeah, and also this is at a time when people themselves were smaller. Yeah. So you could you could fit 65,000 people <laughs> into much less of a space than you could now. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Um, but there were plenty more amphitheaters like this or arenas like this they found the ruins of around 230 amphitheaters from ancient rome all right so let's quickly recap that at this point in time we're going back to um tiberius from 14 ce to 37 ce the roman emperor was tiberius octavian's stepson so tiberius reign was kind of a complicated one On one hand, he seems to have been a pretty good military leader. He tried to curb governmental overspending. On the other hand, he was kind of a sour patch who was way too tough on crime. uh, To a point where he basically ended up withdrawing entirely and left the actual leading to a political partner. So 
kind of a name only uh, emperor for a bit. Uh, also, he was apparently a pedophile. Oh, so, yeah, man. not great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he also stopped holding Roman gladiator games for a period. He banned gladiator games. Boring. Yep. Who is this guy? I know, right? Eventually, he did lift the ban on gladiator games, and there was a surge in demand because people had been going without their sports for a while. Could you imagine if football, yeah, American football... What the football, fuck else? And not even that. Like, <laughs> right. to, to today's standards, yeah. But then you could find some something else. You could just go to college football, I guess. But, uh, yeah, back, like, what the hell were you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, write? <laughs> read a book? Yeah. Read a, read, read, read a papyrus? Read one of the three books that are have ever been written? Like, what, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah, you want to see people fucking kill each other. <laughs> Way more fun. So you can imagine how when they started up the games, how how in demand they were, how popular they were. Yeah, people had something to do. <laughs> people were bored, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. And one entrepreneur named Attilius saw opportunity in this demand. So most of what we know about this disaster, and part of the reason this is actually going to be a pretty short episode because there's not a ton of information surrounding it, despite the fact it is the deadliest, you know, structural collapse that we know of in history. I mean, I would say that that it has to be, like, not just recorded history, but history. I mean... Yeah, because at what point, other point what in time other, did they... What other structures that are this right. big that were, were ever built before? Right, yes. Before I would then. Say, I would say there's a decent chance that that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it was so... That's why, I mean, that's why the Colosseum today is still so amazing. It's it's like, this thing was built 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has a very modern um, aesthetic to it. I mean, very much so. It's how all stadiums have been built oh, kind of since, like, since Well, then. it's it's yeah. amazing the things that we did adapt from ancient mm-hmm. Roman stadiums. That's That, that would be one. Yes. Yep. Arenas, right? The idea of arenas. Um, so most of what we know about this disaster is from the records kept by Tacitus, who is often considered one of the greatest Roman historians. So he lived from 56 CE to 120 CE, so definitely after this disaster, but he researched and wrote a thorough history of Rome from Octavian's death in 14 CE to the death of Roman Emperor Domitian. I did not look this up. Sure. Domitian? I don't know. In 96 CE. That guy. Yeah. So basically what we know about Attilius, the amphitheater, and its collapse all came from Tacitus' accounts. So. So speaking of Attilius... He wound up building in Fidene, about five miles north of Rome. And according to Tacitus, the amphitheater Attilius built was pretty ramshackle because Attilius was something of kind of like a, a flimflam guy, a fly-by-night guy, a get-rich-quick guy. Um, or according to Tacitus, he, quote, undertook that work for sordid reward, hmm. end quote. Like, not for civic or engagement or whatever, whatever, but, like, he wanted to make money. Now, in modern America, we just call that capitalist, but, you know. Or a lawyer. Yeah, or many things. <laughs> or, right? uh, or a preacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when we think about an amphitheater like the Colosseum, of course, we think about the stone ruins you can still see today, right? Mm-hmm. It's made out of stone. That's not the kind of structure that Attilius was building. Basically, he was an opportunist. Uh, opportunist. He was taking this opportunity 
to build something quick and cheap and trying to capitalize on the restart of the Gladiator games to make a quick buck as soon as possible. So he was trying to get things up and running fast. So what would be faster than stone? Wood. Wood. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say what else was around. I mean, uh-huh. I don't think they were using concrete back then. Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Marble maybe, but that would be that's expensive. Stone. That's stone too, yeah. yeah. So to build an amphitheater like this at the time, there were two primary like types of structures to do. One was to build the structure into the hillside, making sure. use of the hill Naturally. as like right mm-hmm. for stability, right yep. of uh, of the structure. A technique that is still done in building today. It is yes. And the other way was to just create a freestanding structure, uh, though not known for a hundred percent sure. The type of venue Attilius was building was most likely a freestanding structure. So right away, not designed in a way that took advantage of natural topography for support. Um, And apparently Fidene is pretty hilly, so it's not like there was a lack of hills to Mm -hmm. build into. He just didn't. He's like, yeah, we'll just build it in between the hills and and (laughs) won't use any of it for support. Right. Because that'll go well. And yeah, he decided to forego the stability of stone for wood. Um, now, while these choices didn't exactly set up the new Fidene venue for success, Attilius continued to make decisions erring on the side of fast and cheap that didn't help this amphitheater's stability at all. So for the foundation work, he didn't have the trenches for the foundation built very deep. So obviously, to support a large structure, you need a solid foundation, which apparently this particular structure did not have. Because Attilius did not dig down to bedrock, he just dug a little bit into the soil. So it was just not stable to begin with. It did not have a good foundation. Um, And then the underlying framing structure of the amphitheater was not made with strong joints, right? Where the wood connected. So on top of not being on a solid foundation, the framework itself was actually quite weak. So at the time of the disaster, it's also ambiguous as to whether the amphitheater was even completely built yet before opening. It's possible that it was constructed enough, but not yet completed. And that that would also kind of track with this guy wanting to make a buck as quick as possible. And also at this time, we know for a fact that there's no building code. Nope. (laughs) Although, interestingly... This disaster kind of creates the first world's first building code. Okay. Sort of. Sort of. I guess we could kinda. say. <laughs> it's possible other civilizations had it, but... I mean, I guess there was building code in the sense of, like, if it's if it, if it, <laughs> if it wound up staying together... Right. Then let's just do that the next time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. There, there wasn't somebody from OSHA coming down to check, no. <laughs> check on this guy's uh, progress, that's no. for sure. As far as what the structure actually looked like, we don't really know or have evidence for that. Because well, we know the outcome of <laughs> Yeah, it's not there anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but based on similar styles of structures at the time, it was most likely a three-tiered amphitheater. Uh, at some version of a size that would have accommodated a crowd of over 20,000. That's a uh, lot of people. It, I mean. it is. And it's it's estimated 20,000 to 50,000 was the capacity. So not as big as the Colosseum, which is the biggest, but still large, sizable, right? Um, also, around the outside and the perimeter of the, the stadium 
was like a market area sure, or a shopping area. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that, uh, so there's a chance, like, if you consider the capacity of who was inside at the time, plus who may have been outside at the time, mm-hmm. there, regardless, there were tens of thousands of people um, uh, susceptible <laughs> to being victims of this collapse. Right. So. We honestly, we don't know much about the day of the collapse other than it was 27 CE and that tens of thousands of people were present. So while the theater was full and thousands of people were around and nearby and inside, the amphitheater collapsed. And this likely happened due to the fact that the weak foundation led to undue stress on the wood joints of the framework and the structure. Uh, There's evidence to suggest that the amphitheater collapsed Sort of like from in between the first and second tiers. And uh, Tacitus describes it as being like an inward and outward collapse. Okay. So that it could have been kind of like flattened, if you think of that, which would burst it out too. Um, So that that may have been uh, the case. Because he said, Tacitus said that uh, people from outside the theater were also caught in the collapse. So. Hmm. Uh, Tastus described that the people who died instantly were the lucky ones. He said, quote, more pitiable were those whom life had not yet deserted with part of their body have having been ripped from them. Mm. End quote. Yeah. He goes on to describe how it took some time for word to spread people to come to the site of the collapse to look for their loved ones. Identification was difficult. So were recovery efforts. I mean, this was tens of thousands of people, and it's 27, the year 27, right? <laughs> it doesn't actually mean that there were no organized services. This is the Roman Empire. They were, like, some of the most civilized, as far as we think of, like, uh, infrastructure. I mean, some of them, some people credit with them with creating civilization. Right, yeah, that's true, Yes. Um, and they, they did have their own version of firefighters and police. So they did have first responders, but can you imagine with like year 27 tools and communication? (laughs) Trying to, yeah, trying to sort this thing out. Exactly. The rescue and recovery must have been just like horrific. So, um, and, and between 20,000 and 50,000 people dead and injured, that's just wild. So though the exact number of casualties is not known, the Guinness Book of World Records still considers this, the, the collapse at Fidene, to be the deadliest sporting disaster in history. And it's true if you think of sure. stadium disasters, yeah. It is also likely the deadliest structural collapse or failure in history. Now, the aftermath of the disaster did lead to some version of regulation, like I said. The Roman Senate required that any future structures like this would have to be laid on a proper foundation. So that's kind of like building code, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the first, I don't know if it's the first in terms of even Rome, but I think there's a good argument (laughs) that it's it's up there. (laughs) They also set a wealth requirement for anyone who wanted to host a gladiator show. I guess trying to avoid like get rich quickers, right? Probably. Like you had to be rich to begin with. They required a fortune of 400,000 sesterces, a currency of Rome. Uh, there's no way to translate that no. <laughs> in the modern currency. Don't even know what it was. No, <laughs> it was a silver coin. Yeah, currency. was it shillings? Like what was it? <laughs> 
As for Attilius, he did not escape unscathed. He was forced to flee and exiled from Rome altogether. And that was the short and sweet story oh, wow. okay. of the Fidene Amphitheater Collapse. Okay. I know, there's just not a whole lot to extrapolate. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's... But it, it is, like, the worst structural collapse in history. Yeah, it's Tens gotta be. I mean, I know people. it says recorded history. Right. But... At what point were they building larger structures? Right, and at what point did recording begin? Yeah. Like recording history, like <laughs> right. happened like around here. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, I guess somewhere else somebody could have built a hundred thousand seat Maybe. thing that collapsed, but uh-huh. I, I don't know. I don't know about this period of. Yeah, I've never I, been I, a. I've never been that much of a world history person mm. outside of like wars and stuff like that, but especially like. I know a lot of stuff comes back to the Roman civilization, mm-hmm. but it's such a fucking long time ago. And yeah, they have scriptures and things like that. And But for the most part, it's just going off of legend. and. No, they, they actually have good records for, sure. for no, that's what I mean, ancient but, Rome. But like yeah. as far as like... I don't know, as far as, like, lore of it and stuff. Yeah, I know, like, the founding of Rome. Yeah. Like, oh, it was these twins and the god so-and-so. It's like, yeah, whatever. That didn't happen. (laughs) That is kind of hard to... I'm with you. Ancient history is sometimes a little hard to... Well, because there's nothing... um, What was considered recording the time was literally drawing a picture on a wall. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like prehistoric and stuff. It's like, yes, that, that means... Right. You know, all these things. It's it's also, it feels less and less relatable, right? Like, it's so far removed from the type of life that we live today that it's kind of hard to well, I draw mean, parallels. Well, I mean, watching the movie we watched earlier today seems not yeah, even right. relatable. We're not even talking about 100 years ago. No, We're yeah. only talking, what, 80 years ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, America 80 years ago was an entirely different place. I mean, America 30 years ago. Yeah. 50 years ago. But, uh... That's but true. Yeah. Our history is kind of accelerating, isn't it? Because our our technological leaps are so oh, are just, exponential. And especially nowadays, I mean, all sorts of new technologies get mm-hmm. invented on a daily basis. It's easier you know? and easier to not even recognize your life 10 years ago, right? Like, and how you lived it and the technology and yeah. infrastructure you lived bit. it with. Yeah. Let's see. I had a, uh, I got my first flat screen in 2010. So that that puts me on a 13-year trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) At least I've watched TV the same way. (laughs) Well, not even, because now I watch a lot of it on my phone. That's true. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't have a smartphone until 2015. Yeah, we both got ours at the same time. Yeah. Man. And both immediately became addicted to them. Just like we knew we would. (laughs) Just as expected. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's... uh, I mean, this part of time for the world is obviously fascinating because there's an actual civilization brewing. I mm-hmm. mean, I know they had aqueducts and yes, uh-huh. sanitation and like all sorts they of had things. They had a full-blown infrastructure, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. which um, I, I don't even know how you would pull that off back then. I mean, it is a, a interesting. Lot of, a lot of uh, forcing people to work for free. Oh, yeah. There was, well, In other words, it enslavement. Even, I was just going to say, it even said like most of the gladiators were yep. slaves. Mm-hmm. Um and that gets brought up in the Gladiator movie, too, because yeah. that was a documentary, as we all know. <laughs> a documentary um, by Ridley Scott. Yes. 
<laughs> starring Russell Crowe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, how they did all this stuff is, is, I mean, it really is amazing. I don't know how, like, if somebody came to me today, mm-hmm. like, with all, I mean, we literally have all the information on how to do anything at our fingertips. Like, if somebody came up to me today and would be like, build a 50,000-seat stadium, right. I'd be like, no. <laughs> And how am I going to do that? Uh-huh. Even though I can literally look up things of right. how you mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And these, this, even this guy, even though he was fly by night, mm-hmm. still he got this thing somehow it, mostly together. It, it it was together for a very short period of time. Yes, it was before it fell apart, but yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean that was a uh... yeah. Don't build fifty thousand seat stadiums. With wood. <laughs> and, and poor foundation <laughs> and work. Poor foundation and poor work. design. Build it into the hill. <laughs> Just like, use the damn hill yeah, already. <laughs> like the guy said. All right, yeah. so that was the Fidene? Mm-hmm. Fidene Amphitheater Collapse. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.